Welcome to another episode of Blokes Watch Movies. Thank you for joining us once again. The air of rivalry and competition will not be present this week. And I am joined by my normal co-hosts. And I think we're going to get along as we discuss another nostalgic movie. So first and foremost, let me introduce my two co-hosts, my good friends from teenage times, Jim and David. Jim and David, how are you both today? I'm doing all right, thanks. I was at the dentist earlier, but my lisp was gone, so hopefully it shouldn't be uh, unintentional comedy in this one. Yep, hello both. Um, I'm good. I'm excited for another new episode. Don't uh, sound one of my favourite films. No, well, which I can assure you I am. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be chatting about the 80s classic Karate Kid today, but I'm not going to say I'm a super fan of this movie. I just love it for the nostalgia, but Jimmy's going to get straight in here, give us the blurb, talk about the movie, and then we're going to, David and I will kind of intervene and talk about a few points as we go along. So it's just a, a reflection, a bit of love for something I think we we all have an affinity for. So Jimmy, take it away. Cheers, Mark. So yeah, The Karate Kid, um, written by Robert Mark Kamen and directed by John G. Avildsen, uh, released in 1984. Uh, Mr. Avildsen was the director of the original Rocky movie eight years before, and uh, yeah, you can see the fingerprints of, of that movie all over this one. I mean, it is yeah, the classic underdog story. So you have Daniel LaRusso, who's a 16-year-old boy who's moving from Newark, New Jersey to Reseda, California, and he doesn't know everybody. And he's a natural underdog because he's short, he's weedy, he doesn't know any martial arts, he's a little bit of uh, an attractive beta male, so he attracts the attentions of the very, very lovely Allison, played by Elizabeth Shue, who is the ex-girlfriend of Johnny Lawrence, who's the leader of a delinquent group of karate students who uh, call themselves the Cobra Kai after their, after their dojo. Their, their, their motto being, strike first, strike hard, no mercy. So you know that Daniel probably doesn't want to flirt with Allison, but he does because the main thing that makes him an underdog is that he is a little bit of a git. He, you know, he, he's quite brave, he's quite headstrong, and so he doesn't back down from a challenge, and he eventually gets himself really quite badly beaten up by Johnny and his friends, and uh, it just so happens that the handyman in the new apartment building where he's staying is a secret karate master, a secret karate master called Mr. Miyagi, who has uh, very, very unconventional methods of teaching Daniel karate, which involve adapting household chores to karate techniques, all to get Daniel ready for the All-Valley Under-18 Karate Championship, which Mr. Miyagi has entered him into as a way of drawing a line under his feud with, with the bullies of the Cobra Kai. And so the rest of the film just follows Daniel's training over the uh, four to six weeks as he gets ready for the tournament. And in classic underdog fashion, yet he just wants to make it through the tournament. He's not focused on winning. He just wants to prove that he can stand up for himself. And so, as I say, this is a, a very, very classic underdog story. I mean, if you were a nine-year-old boy who was four foot two like i was yeah this is a very very inspiring movie because it felt to me like this was a preview of what secondary school was going to be and I, so i just wonder but you know for my two taller and more masculine friends i mean how did how did this underdog movie strike you i mean did you relate to daniel or did you relate to the cobra kai more or yeah, did it inspire you in different ways well i remember 
this must have been, we must have been about 14. It's funny. And there was a gentleman that was in our, in our year called Alan. And I remember that he must have had an altercation with David's brother. And David walked into a classroom. Alan got scared and pulled the crane technique. And David threw him over a table. So I, I remember that the, the, it was very early on that I realised, yeah, that's a load of shit. I always associated with Crease. I always felt, I always felt that I'm not Johnny Lawrence, I'm Crease. I'm the complete Don. <laughs> but yeah, no. First of all, I'm just surprised that Jimmy considered Mark an alpha. Um, but but that's a story for another day. I think he's. I think I think I'm the character that goes, "Sorry, Daniel. Sorry." The guy that takes out the knee. I just wanted to be cool. I didn't want death on my hands. And so, and so, and so which of our classmates would be the guy behind Chris going, "Get him a body bag." Oh, yeah. He's absolutely brilliant. I love that line so much. It kills me. It really does. <laughs> and he like he's really got the uh, evil laugh. He looks like a like, evil bastard as well. Brilliant. Yeah, he, he, looks, like skeleton, he looks like skeletal to me. Like yeah. he's just like he's, he's got that kind of uh, sort of skeletal uh, look to him. Tommy, uh, Tommy, that character's name is. Um, do you know what? When when I, when I was just doing a bit of research of the film before the show, I was actually surprised that it was that early in the eighties. I actually thought it was a lot later than that. Eighty four, I think it was. The film came out. Is that right? Uh, yeah, the first film came out in eighty four. The first sequel came out in eighty six, and then uh, the third movie came out in eighty nine. And um, I think you're kind of tricked because, like, that between the first movie and the third movie, there's only a year that's passed. Because in in the third movie, Daniel enters in the next year's tournament, so there's only a year that's passed. So you know, the third movie is supposedly meant to be 1985, but it, you know, it, it come out in in 1989. So yeah, so um, and I, I'm like you, Mark, and I don't know if it's just because we were all born in '81. I imagine we would have seen the first movie. 87 or 88 yeah, I guess it yeah. would have been on video and it would have been around the time that 3 was coming out so I think that it's all sort of one one period in our heads yeah. you know what I mean 100% um, I think that's probably I think you're probably right and one of the un- interesting facts was like you said the about the director and the, the Rocky Association because actually in the soundtrack everybody knows You're the Best by Joe Esposito is that his name? that is his name yeah yeah what, what a great song that is but that was originally coined and written for Rocky 3 yeah, yeah, I, I knew it was written for a different movie, but uh, yeah, I'd forgotten uh, that it was Rocky Free. And could you imagine if, if Rocky Free didn't have Eye of the Tiger and had You're the Best instead? Oh, no, I can't. I mean, I, I did I did read one time that um, Stallone was considering another one bites the dust for Rocky Three as well, so oh, he must have you know, cycled through several, uh, several different said. tracks. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> like. Yeah, where would like honestly, where would pop culture be if I of the Tiger wasn't a touch point? It's mad, isn't it? It's 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 quite. But also the same thing if you're you're the best, because like one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life was uh, the episode of South Park. Uh, There's a season nine episode of South Park that uses "You're the Best" in a montage. I don't know if you guys have seen this episode. It's called "The Losing Edge," and it's when all the uh, all the kids have entered into little league baseball but they all hate baseball, so they're all trying to lose. And You're the Best is playing over a montage of them intentionally losing. It's honestly, it's one of the funniest things South Park ever did. But again, yeah, like You're the Best, to me, 
is as central to that kind of 80s sports movie culture as Eye of the Tiger is, without a doubt. Um, I actually wanted to ask David, um, this is following on from the, the Van Damme episode where he accused Van Damme of all sorts of things in every single movie that Van Damme's ever been in. I wondered how he felt about Mr. Miyagi and Mr. Miyagi's relationship with Daniel, Mr. Relation, uh, Mr. Miyagi's relationship with Daniel's mother, and Mr. Miyagi, <laughs> and, Mr. and Mr. Miyagi in general. I mean, the guy is a handyman who has a rather large property and gives away classic cars like a 1948 Ford Super Deluxe Club convertible. Have you ever reflected on that, David? Yeah, well, to be honest, no. But I did think to myself as I was watching it today that something's not right with that little guy. Um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, at the end, it's all a little bit like he's rubbing his hands with glee when Daniel's injured. <laughs> um, you know, it's just like, well, what's going on in? And then you just think to yourself, like, he's clearly like, we're hoping rubbing his knee down or whatever part of his body but you just think so it just cuts we don't actually know what he does um but you know no. I, um... and you are you are sorry david you are drawing my attention to the uh, unintentional unintentionally sexual way that ralph macchio directs him to apply like the the bandage to his ribs between between sessions in the karate tournament when his ribs are tight there's a scene where his gi is open and miyagi is applying uh, yeah, some some kind of adhesive to his rib. You hear, yeah, right there. Especially where we know there's first aid. When the guy took it, took him out of commission, as Chris says, you clearly see the first aid guy run to the you know the center of the circle to see how he was. And I'm just thinking, surely it should be him making his ribs better, not a not our good old friend Miyagi. <laughs> but <laughs> I think uh, we've said enough. Um. Also, the footballing skills are a lot to be desired. Why did they decide for him to play soccer on the beach? I don't understand where that I'll comes from. Sick. I think that when you're a, when you're a child, well, he's not even a child. He's much older than he looks. But when you're sort of breaking through as a young man or a child, they ask you what skills you've got, and I think that they try and get you to sort of use those skills during the film. And I and I can imagine that the only real thing he could tick was he can do fifteen kick up. <laughs> Because he does it about 18 times in the film. And then I feel sorry for poor Ali, who has to learn to do a few just to make it a part of the story. Um, but I, that's what it is. I mean, he, he ain't that good at karate, um, but he is very good at kick-ups. So. He ain't that good at acting either. Yeah. I mean, you'd think America just did nothing, Americans did nothing but play football all day in the uh, early 80s, and that's definitely not the case. I mean, I think that was chosen just as um, like a little bit of shorthand for the audience. Like the minute the Cobra Kai show up, you've got these guys on dirt bikes versus these this group of kids who are playing soccer. I think I think what you're what the film is trying to sort of suggest is that there are disadvantage that Daniel and his friends can't stand up to the Cobra Kai because they play soccer. Oh. If they were playing American football, you might think oh, a bit more jockish. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah you might think they'd be able to hold their own. I'm going to interrupt you. I mean. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not actually um, Daniel and his friend. It's just Daniel. And watching it, I remember thinking he's flirting with the toughest guy in the in the state, the valley, 
he's flirting with his ex-girlfriend and you've got this douchebag Freddy Fernandez. He he's the <laughs> guy that he accidentally kicks the door onto and he falls on the floor and he goes, ah, ah. sort of he, he goes to play football with him down the beach and you know, he's flirting with the girl and he's like, Go on, Daniel, get in there, my son, go over there, kicks the ball over there on the you know, like on a little bonfire. And then uh Johnny Lawrence turns up and he's like, you know, like Go on, Daniel. Like, get in there, son. Like, you, you show him who's boss. And not once does he say, "Oh, Dan, FYI, this bloke's the best karate bloke in the state. You're gonna get your ass kicked. Get home now." Like, Go on, Daniel. Yeah. And then he gets knocked out, and they're like, "Loser!" And he's like, "You suck." And it's like, and it's like "What the hell's going on here?" Whoever wrote this has got some serious issues. Why well, in my head I always have a Kevin Hart moment when I watch that bit because I always think to myself, "He's gone. Go on, Daniel." And then he's gone to his friends. Come have a look at this. <laughs> Come on, come on, come on, watch what this bloke's going to do. Come and watch the Italian kick-up guy. <laughs> go on, get him, go on, you can have him, Daniel. Come on, look at this. Oh, God, I just, I remember thinking, uh, boy, like, this, there's a really, like, dark moments in this film. That every, every character's so flawed, you know, like, one way or another. There's no, Daniel's a good guy and he's meant to be the good guy, the hero, but there's a, everyone's got flaws, and virtually everyone. Except the Cobra Kai sensei, he's a genius. <laughs> he is a legend, isn't he? He's pure he's, class. He's got some great lines. He only says about ten lines in the whole film, but every single one of them beautiful. Yeah, he's he's, he's just the right side of Hammy, Martin Cove, like the way he plays him. Like he like he could so easily be like laughable. Hmm. But like he, he he stops just short, and like he is medicine, which is quite impressive because you never you never actually see Kreese do any real karate in the movie, but you still buy that he's a master, and I think that's a yeah. testament to how like you intimidating a figure, uh, yeah, Martin Cove makes makes him. No, he plays it really well. He really does, and um, he's very believable. And you're right; he don't throw one punch in the whole film, does he? I don't think. But no, it's um. It's brilliant. It's my favourite character. I'm going to revert back to the Van Damme episode and say that the that Karate Kid was one of the reasons why Frank Dukes thought he could get away with what he got away with. <laughs> now, <laughs> this is a film that everybody in the world has seen and loved. And for some reason, we believe that if your mum tells you to go outside and paint the garden fence, <laughs> that you're suddenly going to learn how to, to block a My Gary Front Kick or... It's just ridiculous. If you if you go and wax your mum's car, that's going to say an inside block, outside block. What? What are you talking about? Go ahead, Jim. No, I was saying as as someone, I was actually training in Shotokan karate. Um, I I had started before I had seen um, the Karate Kid movie, but like, I was I was studying it um, sort of around the same time, uh, and I studied it yeah for four or five uh, yeah about four years, and I. I I was probably one of the few kids at the time that knew that like, some of these techniques were dubious, particularly paint the fence. I actually remember did, I did try that once in, uh, in a class and it did not go well. I did as well. Um, I, um, <laughs> I remember being a kid because I did Shotokan karate as well and I was doing a, a kumite, just like a little one inside the class. I must have been about six or seven. And I remember my dad was there and he, he just mucking about said karate kid. And I just remember this girl giving me my washer gary right around the side of my shoulder. Yeah. I thought, oh, Jesus Christ, that hurt. Uh, it was the Yorker gary that I used to 
I used to hate that the thrusting sidekick yeah. to the chest. Um, that, that was the one that I used to hate getting. But just on the subject of techniques, I mean, obviously we're laughing at wax on, wax off. We're laughing at uh, paint the fence, paint the house. Uh, we're laughing at sand the floor. We're we're laughing at the crane kick. But nothing tops Kata from the third movie, like the the random explosion of Kata in the, the tournament sequence at the end of the third movie was just the peak, peak ridiculousness. You, be, you are so wrong. Nothing beats that weird drum thing that in oh, Kids 2. The, the, the drum technique. What is that? Random. Well, yeah, this, this is just a little sidebar. I will, I will give either one of you I will give you 50 pounds if you can tell me what Daniel is actually doing in the climactic action scene of Karate Kid 2 because the camera zooms in so fast like for the first 20 years of my life I thought he was hitting Chosen with a double axe handle over and over again in the the drum technique thing but when at some point I realised no this is this is one handed strikes but I can't tell is he slapping him is he hitting him with the sleeve of his Okinawan gi yeah like 50 50 pounds to anyone that can tell me definitively what Daniel is actually doing. But this is, um, it leads me back to something that you were touching on a second ago, Mark, which is the older you get, the more apparent it becomes, particularly in the first movie, that Ralph Macchio, if he did a week's training for this, I'd be shocked. Yeah. I'd be surprised. Yeah. Like, cause yeah, the, like, you would have, you would have thought they would have like found a way to double him, but for some reason they shoot him in wide angles and it's very obvious but, you know, he, he hasn't trained in karate anywhere near as long as some of the other members of the cast. Uh, maybe maybe he trained a little bit longer than Mr. Miyagi, I'm going to say. Um, because <laughs> the man can't kick above, above waist high. Poor bloke can only do the shin attack. <laughs> um, so, that's the, do you know, the best bit about Mr. Miyagi is the day he gets drunk and he sings the song. Hi-ya, hi-ya. <laughs> I've always, wanted to make, I've always wanted to make a Garage remix of that. Garage remix. I'm sure you could sort of say, Cat. I'm pretty oh, sure he tells on. Daniel to fuck off during that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I just get the feeling that the Pat Mobita got pissed one day on set. I, just can't, <laughs> I don't think that that was meant to be in the film. Actually, I mean, um... Uh, sorry to sort of take it into a little bit of a serious digression, but if you listen oh, yeah. to the if you listen to the DVD commentary for Karate Kid One, I, I, I think they allude to the fact that Pat Morita did like a drink. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the, the director and uh, Ralph Macchio, yeah, I think I think they uh, they, they were alluding to Pat Morita liking Just, a drink. It's funny, right? Because the only person I could not the only person I could not see in the movie is Mister Miyagi. Out of all the characters. I think a lot of them are just really kind of interchangeable, if I'm being totally honest, in terms of actors. But he was the one that they actually weren't sure about. And they, they had to come back to him to recast him. Because of his affinity with Happy Days, they, they just didn't think he was ethnic enough because the mainstream America knew him. Yeah, he would have been known um, for Happy Days. And I... Um... Like he he's he's actually putting on that Miyagi accent. Yeah. Like yeah, he's ethnically Japanese, but he he is putting on uh, he is putting on the accent. So yeah, but I think at that time, um, yeah, when when you're when you're known for a comedic role and you've got to come in and play, yeah, there there is humor and likeness to Mister Miyagi, but you're supposed to buy him as a, a karate master. Mm. So yeah, like there's there's nothing in um, you know, Pat Morita's background um, as a performer that would have. Um, 
you know, suggested that he could do it. I mean, I, I did read uh, at one time that they were thinking of casting, or they did offer it to Toshiro Mifun, uh, who's like a veteran hmm. Japanese character actor of samurai movies, who uh, would have cut uh, a much a much more um, severe figure than Pat Morita. And it's questionable whether he could have pulled off some of the light touches that the Pat Morita does. But yeah, it, 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 his casting, Pat Morita, is one of those like happy accidents. Like on paper, it shouldn't work, but on film it absolutely does i mean we, we could remake it we could remake the film it, it definitely does yeah without obviously a proper one so like um samo hung as mr miyagi um uh the cobra kai sensei could be richard norton is richard norton still about i, d- I don't know if he's acting but, but yeah he, he is about i check in i check in on richard norton and cynthia rothrock from time to time just like because you know i i kind of uh i kind of grew up with both of them like like yeah richard uh richard norton cynthia rothrock keith cook lauren avenden billy blanks all of them I, I will occasionally periodically you know just check google to make sure like are they still alive are they still around, they still around? I don't <laughs> think, yeah uh, i don't think any of them are acting um anymore but uh, yeah I, I believe they're still around but yeah Richard Norton I think would have been a very good alternate crease I think it'd be good I think we should write another post about it like we did with Van Damme <laughs> well I mean yeah they've already done they've already remade Karate Kid once well they didn't remake Karate Kid Jim because it was all about Kung Fu which doesn't make any Not sense once. whatsoever yes uh, that that always did bother me um, <laughs> I since... thought it might do just <laughs> <a> bit <laughs> why didn't they just call it the Kung Fu Kid because uh, for branding like um yeah uh for whatever reason people would have thought that it had nothing to do with the original series so yeah. unbelievable yeah it's a very 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 curious i um i remember another interesting karate kid fact for many a year i would say probably way into my late 20s i thought glenn Medeiros and ralph macchio were the same person do you know who glenn Medeiros the singer is who sung i'm never gonna change my love for you you know that song? Of course I do. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, but yeah, David I understands. I, I honestly thought, because I, I think yeah. it's because of the outfit that he wears in the video or the hair. I honestly thought it was the same bloke. Literally, seriously did. For many a year. But what did Ralph Macchio do after quite yeah, a year? No, did he do anything? In answer, it, it, you're asking about Ralph Macchio. I mean, obviously he went on to do two Karate Kid sequels. Um, I think in the in between Karate Kid one and two, he had this movie called Crossroads, um, which uh, was a a really quite curious uh, little road movie where he plays a guitarist who sort of sells his soul to the devil to be um, yeah, a better guitarist, which is uh, quite a, quite a departure from from Daniel's son. I I remember he turned up in my cousin Vinny. Um, oh yeah, he's in, in my, my cousin Vinny. Yes. In 1991, he's, uh, he's, I believe it's, it's, he's the cousin who goes he, on trial, isn't he? He's yeah, he's going to be prosecuted, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then I hadn't seen him until he turned up in the deuce a few years ago. Ah. Uh, bet- between my cousin Vinny and turning up on the deuce, and which came out around the same time as the first season of Cobra Kai dropped on YouTube, um, I had no idea what he was up to. Beyond um, playing himself in uh, one episode of Entourage and one episode of How I Met Your Mother, and in answer to David's point about uh, the Jaden Smith remake possibly leading to Cobra Kai, I actually think How I Met Your Mother is more responsible for Cobra Kai than um, than the Jaden Smith Karate Kid because it was in How I Met Your Mother when the Barney character uh, told like told his friends that he thought that Johnny was the hero of 
Karate Kid. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 he dressed up as uh, Cobra Kai to go to a fancy dress party, and like he kept on insisting that there was a secret underlying meaning to uh, Karate Kid, and that Daniel was actually the bad guy, and that is the starting point of the Cobra Kai revival. And uh, yeah, it's quite an interesting approach, and I don't, I I was not aware of anyone having that take on Karate Kid until How I Met Your Mother did it. Oh. Because Johnny is quite, quite so difficult to defend. You know I'm wrong, Jim. Do I do I think you're wrong or do I know you're wrong? Uh, yeah, you said I think that you're wrong, and now you're acting like it's a fact. But this is this is this this um this deal away from it. Did you just say that you do make Daniel wrong? No, I don't make Daniel wrong. I say and that's what um the Barney oh. character in How I Met Your Mother. That's the take that he takes. Ah, uh, okay, because. I, I wait because I've since seen the first series of Cobra Kai, um, in which Johnny Lawrence sort of tells his angle, and, and obviously when you hear his version, and you sort of they even show clips up, you sort of think, oh, you know what? When you look at it from that way, when you look at it that way, but then when you actually watch the film again, I mean, Johnny Lawrence is out of control. He's out of control, um, and, he, I mean, and he tries to criminal. kill Daniel at one point. Like I think that's the yeah, uh, that's the the darkest moment the, in the, the film. The is, good, the, it, the reason why Cobra Kai is so relatable, though, is because forget forget about the characters. These guys actually live lived their best lives in the eighties. That's what makes it funny because yeah, because their careers never took off after that. So to ref- in fact, and, and their careers. So so, so the storyline, in the sense of that success comes back, is actually true because it's. it's actually, I never saw Johnny Lawrence in anything after Karate Kid. Did you? Uh, other than How I Met Your Mother, no. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, I think that was what quite made, that's what made it quite relatable. But I didn't, I didn't. In, uh, to be fair, I liked the first season of Cobra Kai, but the novelty wore off on me after the first season. I never, I never revisited it. Oh, I would, I would push through to season three. Um, like yeah, it's it's done three seasons of ten episodes each, and it, it really hits a stride uh, in in season three. I think. Yeah, I'm at the end of season two, and I think it's really good. I have to be honest. Well, so season two was better than the first one. Yeah, I think I think it continuously improves. It's well worth it because I think, like, with any continuation of any story, you're always on good ground if you are expanding the story, and that is why Karate Kid Two as a sequel really works when Karate Kid Three doesn't. I mean, I would even go so far as to say that Karate Kid Two is one of, if not the, best sequel ever. By which I don't mean that it's the best sequel. It's not the best film that is a sequel but i think in terms of finding a new story for characters whose story has reached an actual conclusion in the first movie as daniels does to find a new story that's a that's a really impressive feat that they pull off in karate kid 2 to some extent i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna argue with this with you Jim, because i okay. think you, i think you're right i think the storyline is too, is very very strong i think they spoil it by making it about daniel too much because I, I like the story about lying about Mr. Miyagi going home, him not being the hero that we all think he is, that he has a conflict over a woman, very similar to Daniel's exploits back home, but he's older. And I like all that. But why has the nephew and Daniel got to be in it? Why can't he just, why can't he just fight the old guy and kick him in the shins? Uh, unfortunately, because the brand is Karate Kid. Yeah, so. I know. And I kind of think they spoil it with that. But other than that, I, I do think you're right. I, th- I think there was a lot of positives about it. I just think again, Daniel ruins it, and, and maybe maybe if it been maybe if it had been titled Mister Miyagi and the Karate Kid, yeah, or something like that. Like, something Karate Kid yeah. Two Miyagi returns home, or something like that. Like, <laughs> plus he doesn't get drunk in it. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Daniel goes out dancing 
in a in a Okinawa nightclub. I remember that. Yeah. But I don't. I just. I just. I really liked like the the expansion of the story and like when I was sort of watching the movies in the run up to this and sort of reflecting on them, like it it just kind of underlines how misguided Karate Kid Three is because you go from Karate Kid One where Daniel's journey is to enter the All Valley Tournament to prove himself to the bullies in the second movie he literally has a fight to the death with you know, a vengeful Japanese, young Japanese during a hurricane who was, on, yeah, who was intent on killing him yeah. and then in the third movie he wants to defend his All Valley title and he's scared of getting hit he's just had a fight to the death and now he's intimidated by the prospect of point karate you know, it, it doesn't like there's, there's a lowering of the stakes in the third movie that like just okay. fatally okay. undermines it in any fact in, in any case i think the second the third movie should have been the second movie and then the, the second movie should have been the third yeah. because if you remember the rules of the trilogy as espoused by jamie kennedy in scream 3 when you get into uh, an, a previously unmentioned backstory that's when you close the trilogy so you should have they should have swapped karate kid two and three i think yeah yeah i believe you know you mentioned before that pat marita got an oscar nomination for uh the cry the first karate kid movie he did but i believe that no, he, the did next he really kid, yeah yeah for mr got miyagi got nominated for an oscar for a best supporting actor yeah. in 1984 yeah i i don't know off the top of my head who won i know that f murray abraham won best actor for amadeus that year but i don't know who won best supporting actor. find out yeah, but I believe that the next Karate Kid is the only film in the series that features an actual Oscar winner in Hilary Swank. Oh yeah, I someone who went on one. to win one. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that film with the eagle and all that and the military school. I forgot all about it. I have seen it. Bye. Oh, it, best supporting actor was won by Jack Nicholson for Terms of Endearment. Ah. Any any lines that you noted from the film, Mark? Uh, not really. No, not not not. Come in, what have you got for me? I've got a note in a couple. Say it, let's see Three. if I can remember it. Who says so, it and when? You have a pushy little bastard, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that one? <laughs> I don't. I don't actually remember it at all. It, it's creased to Mr Miyagi uh, when he basically <laughs> says, no violence until the All-Valley Tournament. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and uh, the other one I noted was, I really like your car, Mrs. LaRusso. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that gets me every time. Um, a couple of other random observations which are linked to um, our previous um, episodes was um, just a couple of sort of like, well, I watched a film um, this morning. I, I noticed um, Happy Gilmore's Nan. Um, who I mentioned in our favourite quotes episode. Yeah. Um, she's the nutty woman that when he enters his um, com- you know, his complex, she's just sitting in a chair talking nonsense, oh. and uh, she starts talking about how she might know his uncle or his aunt who lives somewhere. And I was thinking, I'm sure that's Happy Gilmore's nan, and uh, it indeed was. So she's got a little cameo, and and also Bosco from Over the Top has a cameo. Um, Bosco's the um, black arm wrestler from over the top who I um, incorrectly thought was the world arm wrestling champion um, Jimmy googled it within five seconds and corrected me um, not only that he was in Karate Kid he's actually in Karate Kid yeah, as, yeah. Um, as the guy who signs <laughs> Daniel LaRusso into the tournament and, and, and um, Mr Miyagi ends up nicking the black belt from his bag so uh, 
So when anyone yeah. is a fan of Over the Top, go back and watch it, you'll see Pop yeah. Smoke. I always wondered why, how Mr. Miyagi ever let Daniel turn up to the tournament with a gi but no belt. That just never made any sense to me when I was a kid. But on the subject of um, cameos, the referee or the main referee in the tournament is played by an actor called Pat Johnson, who was a real-life martial artist, and he was the choreographer on each of the, the three Karate Kid movies, and you might remember him from Enter the Dragon. He yeah, with Tash. Yeah, because yeah, he's, he's right at the beginning. Collector. Yeah, when he, he goes to see John Saxon, doesn't he? Yeah, he's the debt collector oh, who's got that very memorable line. Freddie says you got to pay all of it or we got to break something. Break something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, I do remember. Uh, and Dutch, who uh, the member of the Cobra Kai, Dutch, the, the blonde one, the, the one that seems probably the one that starts all the fights, uh, is played by an actor called Chad McQueen, who's the son of Steve. Is he really? And, um, yeah, yeah, and he did a, he did a few uh, B-movies. The most notable one was... Uh, in 1990, he co-starred with Cynthia Rothrock in a B-movie called Martial Law. Oh, what a great film that was. <laughs> I remember Martial Law. Was it a film or a series? No, it was no, a series Martial after. Law, but Martial Law was the series with Samuel Sam Hung. Hung. But it was, it was a movie with Cynthia Rothrock in it. But it was a straight-to-video movie, just like the China O'Briens yeah. were. It was the same sort yeah, of no, time and era, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, good times. I mean, she never, she never, she never topped her performance... In, in No Retreat, No Surrender 2. That's when she's at her peak. Oh, I mean, I'm sure we're going to do a deep dive on the No Retreat, No Surrender uh, movie, so I don't want to go too much. But her death scene gets me, yeah. honestly. It, uh, Doesn't mean I scene. didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, ab absolute classic acting. That's what it lacks, Karate Kid 1, a death. It's hard yep. to have death in point karate though no but well, like no, his mum's car could have broke down or something yeah i'll, I'll be honest with you the mum she really does get on my tits it's <laughs> so annoying isn't it? don't you think so it's just sort of like she's she just you know like the bit where he's like that oh uh, uh i've met a girl is she blonde is she <laughs> better looking than lucy you know like calm down she might have a nice personality why, why doesn't she turn up to the tournament that's what i want to know I think she does. Yeah, she is in the tournament. Oh, yeah, she she? She? yeah, she doesn't. She's not there all the way, but she does turn up during the tournament. And she That's still how she is. And she still doesn't mind Mr. Miyagi touching up her son. Yeah. Yeah. I'll only come and watch you if you get to the semis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not watching you go out in the preliminary rounds like a loser. No, I don't like that. That just sums up. I didn't even know that. There you go. Yeah, like in, in the second movie, she lets her underage son fly to Okinawa. Yes, yeah, he does. Yeah, strange Japanese man that he's known for a few months, <laughs> and he, she lets him defer college as well to do this. Yeah, no, she's a selfish woman. There's no doubt. <laughs> she's a selfish. <laughs> it's funny though because the valley is the valley back then, but the valley now is it's all money and silicone and IT and you know it's it's an affluent area where you're full of bloody dot-com millionaires isn't it i mean yeah that is the thing that didn't make sense um like i didn't care i didn't really register this when i was a kid but as i get older i do wonder so why are ali and johnny who are country club kids go into the same school as like daniel who lives in a crummy apartment building yeah, like yeah, they, it, it feels like they should be going to a fee-paying school yeah, somewhere. Like would. their parents really don't care about them <laughs> I do like Ali's dad, though, and mum. You know, like, they're so snobby, you know. And when, um, do you remember when Daniel sort of, like, is, I don't know, is that 
sub going through the, the kitchen of the the country club yeah and he ends up sort of like bumping into the waiter um yeah waiter with all the spag bowl and uh he falls over everyone's looking and laughing and you can just sort of like see her dad going it's that kid from messina you know, like, like the shithole of the valley. Like, like, everyone's laughing except him. It's like, it's him, he's here. <laughs> but no, I do love the uh, the mum and dad. Uh, but it's just, it's always just so fun to revisit this film. Like, yeah, I, I think if you sort of sat me down with a pen and paper, I probably could write the script from memory. But it, it doesn't take away, like, the, the pure enjoyment of it. And I think a lot of that... Um, has to do with uh, Bill Cotney's music as well. Bill Cotney, the composer of the Rocky movies, he he, he finds another gear um, in this one. Like the mu- the music in this movie is so stirring. It always just you know puts it just puts me on the verge of tears a lot of times. Oh, come in the training on. montage and the um the 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 bit where he's sort of in position for the crane kick, like do 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 do, and you got finish him like. You got Crease, like sort of like saying finish him, and then and then the music as he does the kick. I actually think it's quite emotional. Uh, this is bullshit. Brilliant. So <laughs> th- th- you're talking about the emotional music in this, right? Yeah. And then you talking about the emotional music in Over the Top. But when I talked about it last week in the Van Damme movie when he's running up the hill, you laughed me off. You know, you know why? It's because. There's it's a bullshit! Winning an all-valley karate championships with one leg, winning an arm wrestling tournament where you win a truck, and in one way even your son back, and just going for a jog in the street. But Mark, you did you did establish there were different rules for this conversation at the top of this episode. You said we weren't going to be feuding the way that we were oh, with I'm the not, Stallone not, with the Van Dam. I'm not dis- Mark, Mark's not happy in this is animosity. No, That's I'm not disputing the fact that the music in this is great and stirring and all those things you've just said. I'm just saying when I try to raise this point about another film, you kinda of make out like it's not a point. But when it's your when you want it to be, it can be. It just doesn't seem very fair and just. You do what you have to do to win. <laughs> that that conversation was the equivalent of sweeping the leg. Yeah. <laughs> Sweep the leg. Um, just one last thing. I think we've discussed uh, most points, but I think one of the reasons why I sympathise with Daniel so much is Mark and Jimmy already know this, but the listeners won't. Is back in the summer of '98, I actually had a a bad cycling accident. An old school friend kindly offered me a ride on his amazing new bicycle. I was going downhill at some speed. <laughs> and to avoid certain death, I had no option but to t- turn the bike into a, a parked Mercedes-Benz, resulting in significant grazing of both knees and also, you know, scratched arms. And... Unfortunately, there was no Mr. Miyagi to repair the bike. Like I say, long time ago now, but, you know, still have nightmares about that. I'm going to just say, that's not how I remember it. Um, I'm pretty sure that there wasn't a hill, that there was a comment by yourself, uh, something along the lines of, where are the fucking brakes? (laughs) And (laughs) there was also a comment by the person that owned this classic racing bike it wasn't new it was a classic i just had those regripped 
it was it was one of the fucking funniest days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I just had those in grip. The thing is, is the bloke didn't even want me to go on his bike. And I like the he way that you called him. A, I love the way you called him a friend. <laughs> <laughs> bully, bullied the poor bloke to let him ride ride the bike he didn't want you anywhere near I mean honestly it's it's kind of offensive that you uh, equate your inability to actually ride a bike <laughs> to the Cobra Kai's second attempt or first attempt to Kill murder yeah. Daniel's son very so very you, true Jim <laughs> you had to be well you had to be on the bike to know and uh, it was a definitely steep downhill uh i mean the velocity the speed i was going was unreal but you can say uh maybe when you as a witness you didn't you didn't feel my fear but either way that's uh that's just my opinion i can say maybe that's why i sympathize with daniel oh, um, I, I think if anyone should sympathize with daniel it's me i do remember an instance where i was urinating in a street because i was rather desperate and you decided for unknown reasons even though you have never driven a car in your life to get into my car, into the driver's seat, and put the car into drive. I then, to save my car and myself, had to jump in through the passenger side window and pull the handbrake. It did. Was you there, Jim, for that? No, but I've heard the story so, so many how times. how can you compare yourself? That That is real life threatening activities. Would you, was anyone there? Why did I... Me, you and Ralph. Decide I was gonna, oh, is it Ralph in the back? Okay, mm. yeah. The thing I love, though, is Ralph's the biggest scaredy cat of the lot. And he didn't try and stop me. <laughs> it's not his car. It's not his car. <laughs> it's his life. Yeah, his seatbelt on. He didn't on. even a driving lesson. <laughs> he had his seatbelt in a helmet on <laughs> yeah no uh, yeah i do your dive was impressive i suppose when you see your car just well you're seconds away from your car being written off <laughs> but he virtually did a dive no one ever like through the window he didn't hurt himself or me but just somehow landed perfectly to <laughs> well, did you take the key out or just put the handbrake on, put the handbrake on. <laughs> <laughs> But great times. It was an impressive well, diagnosis. I, I do think we can sort of point to David's own uh, perspective on his teenage years and understand exactly why someone thought, you know what, we could revise the Karate Kid history and make Johnny <laughs> the good guy. <laughs> I am the reason it's Cobra Kai. Nothing to do with the next Karate Kid. Nothing to do with the Jaden Smith one and nothing to do with How I Met Your Mother. It's all me. <laughs> and it makes more sense now. Well, it's been a lovely nostalgic visit to Karate Kid, to The Valley. Coming forward, we've got some new episodes coming and some ideas, so look out for that. We're going to do a cross episode with a influence music podcast about movie soundtracks. That will be coming very, very shortly. As always, you can keep up to date on our social media. Please do interact with us on social media. It's really important that one, we get your feedback and two, that we get eight, that we're able to share the show with as many people as possible. You can hit us up on Instagram, which is Blokes Watch Movies. David, what's that? Twitter? It's Blokes Watch MOV1. And Jim, what's the Facebook? Uh, on Facebook, if you enter Blokes Watch, Mo Blokes Watch Movies into the search bar, you will find us and please come and have an argument with us. And we're going to see you out today with a very special song. David's going to sing you out with the best. <laughs>
Go on then. Yeah, just bear with me, okay? <laughs> um, I'm getting the lyrics up. <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to be sued for this? I don't know. That's not a copyright infringement. I don't know if anyone will be able to recognise it, so we might be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Try to be best, because you're only a man, and a man's got to learn to take it. <laughs> Try to believe, though the going gets rough, that you got to hang tough to make it. History repeat itself, try and you'll succeed. Never doubt that you're the one, and you can have your dreams. You're the best. Boom. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know how to keep me down. There you go. Well, so that, was, uh, that is our new that, feature. Why did we never do that in the Cranbrook? Uh, uh, that was amazing. <laughs> 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 that was fantastic, actually. You did a really good job. Um, Thank you. What a lovely way to see out the show. Thank you very much, guys. I will speak to you soon. and look forward to doing our next episode. Listener, thank you very much for taking the time. Bye, guys. Take care, all. Cheers.